Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. New Books in Southeast Asian Studies is sponsored by the ANU Southeast Asia Institute, the Griffith Asia Institute, the New York Southeast Asia Network, the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies, and the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Southeast Asian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Patrick Jory. I teach Southeast Asian history at the University of Queensland, and I'm co-host of this channel. Thailand's been in a deep political crisis since the military coup against the Thaksin government in 2006. A second coup in 2014 ushered in a hardline military dictatorship. The passing of King Pumipon Adulyadeh in 2016 and the accession to the throne of his son and heir, King Wajiralongkorn, has further transformed Thailand's political landscape. When the military junta organised new elections in 2019, most Thais expected the military to engineer the military-backed party into government. What no one expected was the remarkable electoral success of a new liberal progressive political party, Future Forward. But within two years, the Constitutional Court had dissolved the party and banned its leadership from politics for 10 years. Duncan Makago and Anirat Chaturagun have analysed the stunning rise and fall of this party in their co-authored book, Future Forward, The Rise and Fall of a Thai Political Party, published by Nias Press just last year. Today I'm talking to one of the book's co-authors, Anirat Chaturagun. Anirat is an independent scholar based in Amsterdam. Anirat, thanks so much for coming on New Books in Southeast Asian Studies to talk about this fascinating book. Thank you so much, Patrick, for having me. Can we perhaps start off by, if I could ask you to tell the listeners about how you became interested in Thailand's politics and what attracted you to the story of the Future Forward Party in particular? Oh, yes. So I studied Thai politics for my master's degree and PhD. So I did a PhD at University of Leeds in the UK. My big question for the PhD thesis was, how does a Thai politician win an election, right? So I started off with that question. And then when I started to do field research, then I found out that the key to win an election in Thailand is a network that's called vote canvassing networks. So that's been my curiosity. And what I found out from the PhD in 2005, 2006 is now probably out of date. So I looked into the Thai elections again. So for this 2019 election, the Future Forward Party announced 
that they will not use network vote canvassers in their electioneering campaign at all. So at first I was skeptical, and then I thought maybe it was just a political jargon that they used to be cool. And then after the elections, I realized that they actually did not use traditional form of network of vote canvassers in their campaigning at all. And that's how I got so fascinated with the way that they run things and the way that they won the elections for 6.3 million votes as well. And then I got to talk to Duncan about this, and then we decided we should capture this historical moment of Thai elections in a book. The book is structured very in a very interesting way. You divide your analysis of the future Ford Party into three parts, leaders, voters, and the party. If we could yes. talk about the leaders first, I guess when most people think of future Ford, they think of its charismatic leader, Tanaton Jingrungrungit. Can you tell us who he is and why he was so popular? As you know, that Thai people are so used to being under a charismatic leadership. We have um, King Pumipon that for most of Thai people, he's been there all their lives, right? So we're used to having a strong leader. And then Tanaton came along. He's young. He's about 40. And he's this new business tycoon that reminded most people of Thaksin Chinuat, the former prime minister. And then most people think, okay, we have Thaksin, who was a business tycoon, and he got into the premiership, and he did a good job economically in most people's point of view, and then he became a controversial figure. So for for some people, they look to Tanaton as a second person from Thaksin, and then for some people, they look to Tanaton as maybe his possible a devil that will come into Thai politics and dismantle everything again. So that basis itself makes him so popular because he draws so much um, attention to himself already. And then his character is also different from any other politicians. He's not bureaucrat. He is not traditional gangster, mafia-like politician. So he's kind of new blood. And that's how people got interested in him. And the most important thing is when he started to come out on television um, and on media platform, especially on YouTube, he speaks so well. And he speaks in a way that Thai um, Thai people were craving at the time because he doesn't use any formal kind of language. He used modern way of communication that relates to many more people. Interestingly, there were two other members of the Future Forward leadership, which you and Duncan McCargo call a triumvirate. The second of them was this brilliant French-trained constitutional lawyer, Biabut Sanganokun. Can you tell us about his role in the party leadership? Biabut is an academic, right? His role to the public eye is he is this well-educated, highly professional university lecturer. So... Thai people tend to like that quality in people anyway, to be humble, but well-spoken, full of knowledge. Panika is a breath of fresh air. She's young. She is a celebrity in her own right because she hosts the TV news program for so long. She's very beautiful. She's, again, well-spoken. She's modern. She 
doesn't dress in an old lady way, which also resonates to most of the Thai young generation. And the three of them have strong chemistry. When you see the three of them together, they form a very powerful pack of this new generation, young professionals who are serious in what they're doing. They seem to know what they're doing. They talk well. They dress well. They are modern. And that's just a very good package. You mentioned the third member of the of the triumvirate, as you call it, this impressive figure from the media, Panigar Panit. In some yes. ways, I found her to be the most fascinating of, of the three, uh, particularly in the way that she didn't conform to the normal gender norms for Thai women. Can you tell us a little bit more about how she projected, I guess, her, her, her persona? You are right. And I think her persona is authenticity. She is not afraid of showing who she is. She's not afraid of coming out and dress a little bit differently from the other politicians. She she dares to do her makeup in a very strong way. She dares to put on red lipstick sometimes, even when she hosted an extra parliamentarian debate right after the party was dissolved. She came out in this high Thai designer brand outfit and then she put on dark red lipsticks. And that is something so new, Patrick, for Thai women to come up into the public and doing something like that. But Panika has, has never been shy to show that side of herself. So she's very, very authentic. And I think that's what's fascinating about her. And in a way, she is so brave that many, many Thai women, young boys, LGBT, they all love her for that. I, I want to get on to talk about sort of gender in Thai politics a little bit later, but it's quite fascinating to see in the recent student protests, women have a very significant role, even dominant role, and you wonder how much the example of Panika contributed to, to that. But let's come back to that a little bit later. A fourth figure who becomes more important a little bit later on, Pita Limjaren Rat. Can you tell us about Pita? Pita is the darling of the conservative elitist group in Thai society. Even those who do, do not agree with what Future Forward Party stands for actually like Pita so much because he he was from a political family in a way and his parents had a very successful business and he stepped in and he built that business further. He ed- he was educated in New Zealand and then he used to be in the inter- entertainment media for a while as well. And he, he doesn't have that rebel character as strong as Tanathorn Biyabut or Panika. So when he came out as the part of the leadership in Future Forward Party, I think that is interesting. So he actually attracts more supporters from the other side of the road, if you want to call it that way, towards Future Forward Party. Okay, we've talked about leaders. In the second part of the book, you move on to write about Future Forward's voter base. Can you tell us who voted for Future Forward? Yes, Patrick, that's very interesting. So at first... We thought only young generation 
first-time voters would vote for Future Forward Party, right? But then when we did the research, it turns out not only first-time voters voted for Future Forward Party, Many what we call urban villagers, people who were born in the rural area but moved to the cities later to work or study there, but registered to vote still in their hometown in the rural side of the country, they also voted for Future Forward Party. And then lower class people, I'm sorry to use that term, but you know, lower class people in the urban area, people who have low income, They also tend to vote for Future Forward Party as well. So actually it's a mixture of economic income, the mixture of age group that votes for Future Forward Party. And Biabut and Tanatan themselves, they concluded that voters that voted for Future Forward Party are from all walks of life at all age groups who have progressive mind. Progressive minds meaning that they do not want to be under the military regime anymore. They want to be moving into a more democratic elect, more democratic regime. I guess the the public image of Future Forward was that it was very particularly popular amongst younger voters. Why do you think uh, it it was so appealing to to the young? Because of the powerful emotional connection that the leadership established with the younger generation. So Future Forward Party sets out to be more of a political movement, anti-military regime, anti-coup d'etat, anti-establishment, anti-structural injustice in the society. These issues are important to the young people because they do not want to live in this old Thailand anymore. They want to to break through. And the leadership, Tanatan, Biabut, Panika, and Pita, they have that emotional connection with the voters, especially the younger people. In recent years, regionalism has been a significant factor in voter preferences. Were there any particular regions of Thailand that were especially attracted to Future Forward? Bangkok is for sure. And in our book, you see that we have drawn up a map of the region that Future Forward won so much votes. And you can see clearly that it's Greater Bangkok and then in the north. Future Forward Party itself claimed that they have a lot of support in the south, but it didn't materialize in terms of MP seats yet. You write that part of the reason for Future Forward's popularity was its skillful use of social media in its campaigning. Can you tell us about uh, how important social media was to Future Forward? Yes, Patrick, because they did not use the traditional form of vote canvassers, right? So they have to get in touch with voters. And the way that they use it is they they use social media platform and television. But when I say television, I do not just mean um, you turn on the TV and you see them on the TV channels. In Thailand, people already watch a lot of TV programs and news from YouTube. And there are so many new medias that set up itself on YouTube only. So Future Forward Party use all these channels to communicate and send their messages across to voters. So once Tanaton gets on a program, that program gets 
broadcast on YouTube and people can go on and have a look and watch that YouTube video over and over again, even if they don't sit in front of the TV or laptop at the time that the program was broadcast live, then they can go back and look at it when their friends or their family told them to go and look. So that's why they got their messages across so quickly and so widely. And then the social media platform, mainly Twitter and Facebook, picked up on that and then they communicated further. And the fact that their supporters are more of a younger generation whom we call digital natives. So they use Twitter as their platform to talk about Future Forward Party, to talk about the leaders. And then this gets extended organically. So the more users talk about them, then the more they get to be known wider and wider, and then it becomes a snowball effect. In their campaigning, Future Forward gave a lot of attention, it seemed to me, to gender and diversity issues, and you talk about this in the book. It, I think it's, to my knowledge, the first party to give such attention to those issues. Can you, can you tell us why those issues were important to the party? The Future Forward Party is a modern party in the sense that they, they capture the zeitgeist of the young generation so well. And then they know that diversity and inclusivity are the main issue that younger generation are interested in. In Thailand, we have so many young people who are in the group of LGBTQ. And Future Forward Party just picked up on that. And also the, the, the young Thai people who are not LGBTQ, they also like to be open-minded, and they want everybody to be equal. They want to ask for their human rights, freedom of speech, freedom to dress, freedom to express themselves. And I think that's why Future Forward Party picked up on that as well. You see, it's like Thai society is very strange and very unique in a way that we like to be fashionable. And for Thai political scene in 2019, LGBTQ being open-minded, being knowledgeable about diversity is very fashionable. The young generation talks about this already. And then Future Forward parties just happen to, to believe in it as well. And then they happen to be able to mobilize on that. In the section on, on the party, you talk about the ambition that the leaders of the of Future Forward had to create what they call a transformational political party, one that was more you know democratically organized and run. How successful yes. were they in achieving that goal? They were not that successful, Patrick. They try they try to use a preliminary candidate selection process and that didn't go so well. You can see from after the party was dissolved, so many MPs defected to the other traditional political parties. So it was like quite a hit and miss in a way because they didn't have a long time to vet their candidates, but they believe in this transparent progress, right? And the party itself, when they set out to be so transparent, they didn't have a lot of budget to do so many things. They had a very small group of people who worked on their social media platform, only three to five people. 
and they only focuses on the party social media platform tanaton platform and be a boot platform that's all they did and then they didn't try to manipulate the platform as well the the fact that future forward parties seem to be so involved in social media is not party generated but organically generated by the supporters and their fans there was so much excitement when Future Forward did so well in the election and then they had to face uh, Parliament and I thought your description of the the many obstacles that the party had to face in, in Parliament, including actually working with the opposition, I thought that was fascinating. You talk mm. about the defections, the expulsions and what you call, I think this is fascinating, an ecosystem of benefit sharing where yes. in some cases opposition parties actually stood to benefit from government policies could you maybe tell us about the experience that Future Forward had in the parliament and facing up to all of these obstacles put in their way? Okay, so the Thai parliamentarians, they are most of them are professional parliamentarians, if I can use that term. So they know each other for years. Some of them are relatives to the former MPs and then the son or daughters become MPs themselves. So they have their bond already, their connections. And imagine these 81 new faces coming in to the parliament under the banner of Future Forward Party, whose political party leaders were so controversial, was a target of the military regime. You know, they, they, they couldn't really communicate with the original parliamentarians that's already in the system. So I would imagine that they have a lot of obstacles. And then from the news and what the party leaders try to explain to the public, it's like they couldn't really do anything. The minute they try to pass the controversial bill, they get stopped. Um, they don't want to do back dealings. They don't want to do corridor chatting. And that was very difficult for them. So many times you can see that Future Forward Party was almost a one-man show in the parliament for the issues that they believe in. And they couldn't really pass any bills that they want on their own. It must have been uh, quite disappointing to the leadership to see uh, quite a few of the uh, MPs defecting to other parties. How did those defections come about? As I told you before, the, the candidate selection process of Future Forward Party is so brand new in the Thai political scene, and they didn't have enough time to vet the candidate. So they have some interview. And they told the candidates that we are not going to give you money to continue to buy votes or to support your vote canvassers. And I think that is the main reason, the lack of funding from the party itself, because constituency MPs in particular need money to sustain their popularity in the area that they work on. And Future Forward Party just simply did not give out the money to the MPs. Some MPs who still in the old way of thinking and doing politics, then they couldn't go on with Future Forward Party anymore. 
And then once the party was dissolved, it's their chance to get out. And then they defected to another party, Pum Chai Thai, which is a very traditional political party. You still have political leader who would give out funding to each MP monthly. So they just would like to defect, and they did. I guess for much of the last sort of 15 years or so, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful party in the parliament were the the Thaksin-backed parties. Can you tell us about the relationship between Future Forward and the Thaksin-backed Puatai party? Do you mean during the campaigning or Uh, after the elections? After the election in particular. After the elections, it seemed to be like a love-hate relationship, to be honest, because they're both in the opposition um, side of the parliament. Sometimes they work well together, sometimes they just clash, especially during the no-confidence debate that the Future Forward Party would like to push on and Thai Party seemed to back down. There was this one day that that the opposition planned to debate about the deputy prime minister, General Prawit, whom is actually, is actually the kingmaker of the government. And then all of a sudden, time's up, and Thai party, who was the whip of the opposition, said there's no more time, so we have to cut the debate short. I think they only started about half an hour and an hour on him. And then the Future Forward Party, who was the main person that's going to talk about how General Brawit did wrongly in his deputy premiership, didn't have enough time to do it. And then they had to actually go downstairs and then had another no-confidence debate in front of the cameras rather than in the parliamentary section. And then Future Forward leaders just came out and said um, this behavior of poor Thai party is not the right thing to do. And there was some backlashing going on. And then several days later, Tanatan stepped in and then everything was calm again and they seemed to clear the air between the two parties. So it wasn't a very smooth cooperation and also among their supporters as well, you know. Pure Thai Party supporters call themselves red shirts, right, still. And then the Future Forward Party supporters call themselves orange, right? So they were attacking each other online. At some point, Future Forward Party supporters call Pure Thai Party buffalo red shirt. And then Pure Thai Party supporters call the Future Forward Party supporters rotten oranges. You, know, <laughs> you see things like that. So it wasn't a lovey-dovey relationship. But but then they explain it very well, especially the Future Forward Party leaders. Every time there were issues that need to be addressed, then they, they came out and they explain it and they offer a narrative and then everybody moved on. The... Future Forward Party, one of the reasons it's seen as so controversial by royalists in particular, it's seen yes. as critical of the monarchy. Uh, I remember a royalist friend of mine telling me that he, they thought that Tanton was worse than Hitler, which I thought was quite <laughs> surprising. Um, so so yeah, why is the why is Future Forward seen by by particularly, I guess, conservatives as a you know a threat to the monarchy? So when you listen to to Tanaton's interview. 
you 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 can sense that he's very rebellious against the establishment. And anybody who knows Thailand, you know what the establishment or the powers that be in the Thai context mean, right? So Chanathan said that he did say those words, but he didn't say that. Oh, I'm against monarchy. He never said that. Biabut used to um, work within the university in a group called the Rat, which was against the Les Majeste Law. So he was the lead activist, academic activist, to say that Thailand should no longer has Les Majeste Law for a long time. He has been saying that. And once he became involved in Future Forward Party, he stopped those roles. Panika herself, her Facebook page was shown on the news that when she graduated from the university in Bangkok, a very prestigious university, on the graduation day, she took a picture of herself with the King Rama the nice portrait in the background, and she made some funny faces with the capture. That to royalists is obvious that she's against the monarchy, but these are all rumors and assumptions and. Nobody say anything for real, but that's how the mood and tone of the society was going that way. That these three kids for the elites or the conservative royalists, we call them these three kids. They are against monarchy, but themselves they never said anything formally. The most formal thing they did was in the parliament when they. Were against the reshuffle of the military units. Could I ask you a more general question? As a political scientist, when you're writing about Thai politics, is it challenging to write about the monarchy given Thailand's strict Les Majesty laws? I mean, you want to kind of give, you know, a, a detailed analysis of the, the situation, but there is one institution that it, it's very risky. Uh, to write about, how much of a challenge was that for you? It was a big challenge for me. When I finished my PhD, then I went straight into the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and I worked as a, as a diplomatic officer for ten years. So during those ten years, I couldn't produce any academic work about Thai politics at all. That's how serious it is. And then you know, until now, you have seen so many academics, especially Thai nationals. Who had to flee the country, and they were in self-exile because they were threatened to be, you know, less majestic. So it's really challenging, and I personally always have to try to work around the issue without spilling it out loud because I'm also a Thai national. It's really challenging, Patrick. Mm. Okay, let's move forward and talk about. Well, in February 2020, just two years after it was founded, everything sort of happened so fast. It was really a roller coaster ride. Future Forward was dissolved by the Constitutional Court, and its leadership was banned from politics for 10 years. Can you tell us how did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> so it's so obvious that they were just trying to dissolve this party for whatever reason that the court could find. Every political party in Thailand had been set up by a person or 
a small group of people and funded by these particular individuals, hundreds of millions of bots flooded into political parties through the networks of vote canvassers and nobody asked any questions. And then when future forward parties try to do the right thing, they try to set up a contract, set up a loan between Nathan and the party with proper legal contract. And then they use that as an illegal point of view. I think that is so obvious. And that's why that the Future Forward supporters couldn't take this any longer. That's why the dissolution of the party led to the student movement. After the dissolution, it's not the end. A new party emerges in its wake, the Gaoklai or Move Forward Party in English. Uh, it, this figure, as I mentioned right at the beginning, is led by a, a, another impressive figure, Pita Limjaren Rat. Can you tell us about, about this new party and, and, uh, and particularly under, under Pita's leadership? And perhaps also, sorry, it's, uh, its connection to the old Future Forward uh, leadership. Pita is an impressive figure. He, if you listen to him, you can sense immediately that this is a smart person, highly educated. He knows what he's doing. And he has very strong views about democratization in Thailand. But he doesn't have the wow factor which is the rebellious character in him. That's why most people at the beginning thought maybe he wasn't the right choice to lead the new party. But he is doing a very good job, in my opinion. He is aware that he doesn't have Tanaton's charisma. And he said it from the beginning very cleverly that he's not going to lead the party as a one-man show, but he will do it as a team with his remaining MPs, and he's been doing that. Um, during the student movement, Gao Glai MPs are key to try to bail out the students. They used their positions. When the students were arrested, they were there. Within 15 minutes, they were there. And they were clever as well because they're using Facebook Live to broadcast what they're doing to the majority of people, and they have been successful in that. So I think Gao Gai Party has positioned itself very well without the leadership of Tanatan, Biabut, and Panika. They have been doing so well right now, but they haven't had a chance to show their other sides of their capacity. So we couldn't say that they are doing great in other capacity or not. But the ideology is there. The standpoint is there. That is so clear. The book ends before the outbreak of these really remarkable widespread student protests that began in August 2020 last year. Could I ask, Is there? can you see any connection between the ideas that the Future Forward Party tried to put forward during their brief period in, in Parliament and these student protests? Oh, yes, absolutely, Patrick. So you have to understand that in Thai politics, you have parliamentarian politics and then you have street politics. And Future Forward has lit the fires for change in the Thai society. The, the, the fact that the party came and woke the students up from their sleepy stage of political activities is such a phenomenon. And then since then, things have moved so fast, as you said, and the students' movement has moved beyond Future Forward Party, beyond the Move Forward Party to another level. 
So in a way, when Tanatan and Biabut and Panika came to form political party, they said they want to form a political party that bring about ideological change in the Thai society. They have succeeded. One of the uh, remarkable things about the book is the methodology that you use to uh, to research and write it. And you talk about this in the book that the COVID nineteen pandemic meant that fieldwork was was impossible. Much of the research was done online. You use a lot of online information, especially from social media, YouTube. I think even you had Snapchat interviews or something. <laughs> and towards the end of the book, you you talk about how this methodology is becoming more and more important in this in the study of Thai politics and I guess politics everywhere. Can you maybe tell us about the you know, the challenges and the benefits also of this way of doing research into Thai politics? Yeah, the challenges are we couldn't be in the scene, right? We couldn't see people's faces and their um, body languages and we couldn't hear the talks on the street. That's the challenges. But the benefits are like, we are lucky because the Future Forward Party relates so much to the younger generations who are very digitally equipped. So most of their activities in terms of the political campaigning and how they run the parties and how they mobilize support and push the agenda have been done online anyway, digitally. So, so many information are online. And that's why Duncan and I were trying to write this book in 2020 and so fast because we know that digital information will be lost in the cyberspace within two months. Four months, and we wanted to capture that historical moment of Thailand. That's why also we wanted to write this book. And another benefit is when we do interview, when we conduct interviews online via social media platform, we gave our interviewees choices. And I think they like that, like choices of platform, if they want to use the real name or not, if they want to do audio calls or if they want to do video calls if they want to do Snapchat, they just feel much more comfortable because they feel from the beginning that they have the choice to choose their platform. And the younger generations are so easy to talk to as well. And this is something that this is the first experience to me. Every time I reach out to someone on Twitter, like the main accounts on Twitter, and then they replied so quickly and then they agreed to in the interview and what they're saying was so candid. There's almost no filter. The only concern that they had at the beginning was um, their identity mustn't be revealed. And then as time goes by, the heat in Thai political scenes being increased. And then the later part of the interview is they almost do not care to reveal their identity to me anymore. It's almost like they just want to use their real name now. They are so into it. They they want to express their opinions. So I don't know. I, I think there's something that is so attractive about this new way of researching. Is it puts push the gap between us researcher and and the people even closer, not bigger in a way. Fascinating. Before we conclude, we always ask, like to ask our interviewees 
Are you working on a new project and could you tell us what that project might be? Um, I'm very interested to write about the next election. I think after Future Forward Party, the Thai political seat has changed so much and I'm looking forward to doing studies on the new student-led party. I think they're going to do one and I'm so interested to do that one. And right now I'm keeping in touch with all of them, especially how they move politics outside the polit- um, the parliament onto the street and onto the society via their online platform. Fantastic. I, I'm looking forward. I think many of us will be looking forward to, to seeing that uh, that new study. Anirat Chaturagun, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of New Books in Southeast Asian Studies to discuss your co-authored book with Duncan McCargo. Future Forward, The Rise and Fall of a Thai Political Party, uh, published by NIAS Press in 2020. Thank you so much, Patrick. And you've been listening to New Books in Southeast Asian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. As always, thanks everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then you might also be interested in uh, other podcasts uh, about books on Thailand's politics, like Duncan McCargo's recently published Fighting for Virtue, Justice and Politics in Thailand, published by Cornell University Press, or Andrew Walker's earlier book, Thailand's Political Peasants, Power in the Modern Rural Economy, published by University of Wisconsin Press a little earlier. You can download or stream this interview and thousands more free of charge via the New Books Network website or iTunes. 